Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey through the Stargate, through SG-1, Atlantis and Stargate Universe. Destiny. The design is clearly ancient, launched hundreds of thousands of years ago. We are on a ship, but we have no idea where we are in relation to Earth. These are the wrong people in the wrong place. Shoot him. Why'd you do that? He told me to. I have a gun. What happened? Greer. Greer shot him. Each week, Alan and Mike will be following the adventures of the crew of the Destiny, along with one or two guest hosts. Join us for everything that is Stargate Universe. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast, episode 343, covering season 2, episode 13, Alliances. And the Ginger Army are taking over. Hello, guests. <laughs> Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to the show, Ian. Thank you very much. Lovely to be back again. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Watched this episode in advance, got a little bit of a cough, prepared on my mute button, so no one will know. Remember to unmute when you're finished, otherwise <laughs> we'll be sitting there thinking, he's not saying much, is he? Once before, you guys were there. <laughs> Ian? Ian? <laughs> I have wasabi peanuts, sparkly citron vatten, and I accidentally picked up the bag of chips by the, I'm using fingers, the bag of crisps by the wrong end. Fortunately, it was in another larger bag, so I just let it empty into that bag and then lifted that bag onto the couch. But it could lead to more significant rattling, therefore I will make sure I mute and demute accordingly. I need to leave some of these meetup groups. They're telling me about things that are going on. And ironically, I found three sci-fi meetup groups that I really like two months before I left them. Normally the way it goes. It's just like, damn it. Other thing I've started doing is I have Spotify running on the desktop. Because what I've found is the phone makes a very harsh noise when it rings. And if there's no music on, there's generally no one in these apartments during the day. So if the phone's not rung for half an hour and then it rings, I need to leap out of bloody chair. <laughs> it's quite shocking. This will get easier when there's cats here. And there will be cats. So, good news. I am going to Encanton for the spring event. Right. Bad news. It's May Bank Holiday weekend. What Finns call Vapua. Because it's when the high schools end. Yeah. Because of that, and because on Friday to Monday... The only flight I could get for less than 300 quid return takes me to the worst airport on the planet. Uh, racking my brains. Remind me again. The big one in London, Heathrow. Well, it could be worse. No longer protesting the uh, the fifth terminal. The last time I flew Heathrow from Finland to Ireland, I had to actually go out and go through... I basically had to go through three separate security checkpoints only because I have an Irish passport. Literally, there was a separate line. Are you carrying an Irish passport? Yes, go that way. I had an hour and a half from the time my flight landed till the time my flight to Dublin was due to take off. I made it five minutes before they shut the door. Mm, lucky. Oh, the, I don't know if you heard about this. I don't think you were on when I mentioned it before. Guy posting a thing Guy? around the internet. about Basically, it's a scroll type of thing wrapped around a cross. And there's an Irish phrase on the cross with someone. It's a tattoo of a cross with a sort of, you know, pretend scroll wrapped around it. So there's an Irish phrase on the scrolly bits. What does it say? He thought this phrase in Irish Gaelic said, you live in my heart forever. 
<laughs> yeah. The phrase is a phrase every Irish six-year-old can say. Which is? I'm my catacomb dog of the young Harris. Oh, no idea what that means. It means, may I have permission to go to the toilet? <laughs> it's basically, by the time you're six and you've been in primary school about a year, you can rattle off, <laughs> I'm my catacomb dog of it, because you literally, certainly when I was in primary school, you couldn't use the toilet unless you asked, and you yeah. have to ask in Irish. Well, that's just inspired. The Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-fi entertainment news and commentary. I am Locutus of Borg. Star Trek episode analysis. Captain of the USS Enterprise. Pokey religions and ancient weapons. Collectibles, toy, and prop reviews. I am to misbehave. The weekly Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host Rico at treksinsci-fi.com. I'm being threatened by Skype. Oh, yeah. This version is going to be discontinued. Upgrade, upgrade. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> Big message. When did you tweet this? I don't tweet very often. Just look at my timeline. <laughs> through the gatecast mentions but i can't see it no i tweet it as me oh i do see sarah mckinnon has received all her goodies though yes yeah. finally made it across the ferry if you look at replies to that you'll see my tweet in reply to that and then you can go to my timeline from there so i started watching incorporated today which oh, yeah. weirdly enough rather than mike mention it to me right steve mentioned it to me and who do i see in the first episode but david hewlett hey i was like ah oh, it's your bad self <laughs> is that an irish phrase your bad self, or is that is that acceptable in uh, traditional English as well? I haven't heard that phrase before, but I like the twist. Okay. The fully hip English version would be your bad self. Right, Mike, you want to do some pre-me pressing the spacebar? Yes, I can. As usual, we are watching a Region 2 DVD version of the episode. Runtime is 41 minutes, 44 seconds. If you want to watch along with us and you've got the same version of the episode, we are currently looking at a black screen with a counter set to zero. Surely Alan will do his 3, 2, 1, clicky countdown. And when he says clicky, we all press play and then begin doing the commentary. If you are watching Region 1 version or maybe uh, iTunes download, then uh, the runtime is a couple of minutes longer. You may have to either pause or fast forward through the coverage to keep us in sync. Barring that, just listen to us, it's far easier. We are an audio podcast after all. <laughs> I will point out, I've said this before to Alan when he's been uh, contemplating his next podcasting endeavour, Chevron Lock Podcast are now recording live using YouTube. They seem to be finding it very easy to do. Saving a lot of editing time, I'm sure. Good idea. We have production values. We do have production values. I'm not sure what they are, but I'm sure we have them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> right then, would you care to do your countdown and we'll jump straight in? Indeed. Tell me. Throw. One. Flaky. I may be on the verge of discovering the true nature of Destiny's mission. Okay, that, that one nearly threw me out. <laughs> yeah, that were three languages. Lovely. A little bit uh, previously on uh, Stargate Universe. Right then. Alliances, Season 2, Episode 13 of Stargate Universe, Gatecast, Episode 343. 
This episode premiered in America and Canada March the 21st, 2011. In Germany, April the 21st, Sweden, September the 17th, and in Hungary, April the 18th, 2014. I still can't find a reliable source for any other dates, that's why I haven't been including them. This episode was directed by Peter DeLuise and written by Linda McGibney. Series, series with episodes of the same name, Flash Gordon, Miracle Explosion, Voyager, Star Trek, The Wire, Diane, Crime Fighter. Bizarre sounding title that was. Okay, that was quick. Back to the previously. Telford being a dick. <laughs> Telford still being a dick. <laughs> Can I kindly point out that... Oh, go on. Um, I have a I have a sufficiently long USB cable that I can sit on couch and watch this on my wall. Good for you. In comfort. <laughs> to the best of our knowledge, the connection was only viable for a few moments, which is why you were the only one who made it through. Oh, look, Telford's not dead. Time travel. Wormholes. Amazing, isn't it? Sometimes you've got to really sit down and try to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> he died. Trying to retrieve some valuable hardware from the other Destiny. It was an accident. Yeah, this is the Telford that escaped through Destiny on the first pass before it went back in time. Uh, or is he? <laughs> think about it. Even he's going to think about it. <laughs> anyway, I've been around the program long enough to know this stuff happens. You just can't eat chickens, don't you? I'm alive. I don't really care how. If it's if I cough occasionally, it's still happy. I've got to head back, but she's coming on board. She'll want a post-mortem on his latest fiasco, but what she's really interested in is Rush's little signal from God. I never called it that. Well, that's what a lot of them are calling it back home. It's created a bit of a stir. Uh, so we're uh, a big communication stone episode. Well, a good episode, actually. They want to know if it's worth spending the money to get a, another Icarus base up and running. Yeah, even if they do, and they find another planet and make a connection, it's still only a one-way trip. You, me, and everyone on this ship aren't going anywhere. Oh, yeah. It's going to get complicated when... Talk to my people. Yeah. Well, it's probably a couple of billion dollars at least, minimum. I wouldn't have thought the IOA membership would have been very pleased about losing the first base, even if uh, the states bankrolled most of it. Yes. Maybe we'll get a Russian one. Well, it took them long enough to find that planet, didn't it? <laughs> there must be a way to generate the energy they need rather than using a planet that's got veins of Nequadria running through it. Yeah, it doesn't exactly seem like an efficient plan, does it? No. Poor Greer, borderline unstable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no one's arguing with that. True. We don't have all day, Sergeant. I don't need R and R. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You're the perfect soldier. No rest, no weakness, no fear. How dare you send me over some R and R? That's true, he absolutely loves what he's doing. <laughs> he does him a bit on the edge. Terminator. <laughs> oh, what's going on? Identify yourself. What's going on? Identify yourself now. I'm Camille Ray. This is Master Sergeant Ronald Greer. Authentication code. One seven zero zero five eight six. What is going on? This is a scheduled connection. Eddie, Sergeant. Seems like an alternate universe or something at first, doesn't it? Yeah. This is a different introduction. Normally, they're quite pleased. It's a yeah scheduled. Reminded me of the Mirror episode. I like the fact that Greer is just sitting there looking at his hands, because this is the first time he's experienced this. On the verge of launching an attack. Homeworld Command is the target. He looks good in a suit. Ming Nar and Jamil did the commentary for this episode. And he was saying, first time he's really worn the colour purple. <laughs> but he liked it so much he kept the shirt and the sweater. And he's still really? got it. <laughs> it is, uh, 
Anyone know this guy that they're sending to check up on us? Uh, supposedly he's the new head of research at Stargate Command. Um, they took time to criticise the, uh, the haircuts of these three gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Shaggy bunch, really. Realistic, a lot of things considered. Well, Greer is always well shown, isn't he? Rush, come in. Yeah, go ahead. Our guests have arrived. He probably considers an essential part of his kit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on my way. So... Captain Quinlan. I don't think Rush is overly keen to meet this other scientist. No. Seems like he doesn't really want him around. No. What's he like? I didn't know him that well, actually. But you said you worked with him. Yeah, well, what can I tell you? He's the type of man who likes to keep secrets. Probably knew him well enough to piss him off, though. <laughs> or vice versa. Isn't, isn't uh, in terms of scientists, isn't Rush the Telford of that group? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've seen in the Milky Way or Pegasus. It's a pretty big ship. Anywhere in a particularly like to start? I really recognize this guy's face. French Stewart from the Stargate movie, Lieutenant Ferretti. Oh, I kept thinking that. I kept thinking he looked a lot like him. I thought it wasn't him. <laughs> also, Third Rock from the Sun. It was. He's not squinting. That's why I'm confused. His face is fleshed out a bit as well. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, all of our people signed off on it. Numbers were good. But. It's true, conditions inside a star are unpredictable. Dennis the Michaels, as uh, Alan says, played by Kathleen Quinlan, American actress, been in Prison Break and Chicago Fire. This is her only appearance in Stargate. Unfortunately, it means we have no idea what really happened. You're assuming the other rush was lying. My impressions of the man, Colonel, are based entirely on your reports. Ooh, if you've read the early reports, that's not good. <laughs> okay, casually walk into the room. Hello, guys. I haven't been listening, don't worry about it, or smiles. <laughs> We're friends here. Andrew? Nicholas, good to see you. So, what are we talking about? <laughs> You're a cock up. <laughs> I was just telling Colonel Young how I'd like to see Chloe. I was very good friends with her father, and I've known her since she was a little girl. Sure. She's on the bridge. I'll take you to her. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I've got to admire a politician who would actually take this risk anyway, given given the events around Destiny and Creation Stones. Yeah. We're sweeping the building for radiation. The Alliance has managed to infiltrate a couple of our off-world bases and plant Nequadria bombs. I like the way... I'm not... Well, I'm saying I'm not sure if I like the way they've done the colour in the SG's Homeworld Command. The way it's all got a sort of grey wash on it. Yeah. I'll take mm. you wherever you need to go. All due respect, sir. With everything going on, I think I'd like to stay right here. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Appreciate the thought, Master Sergeant, but we've got this. I know these people, Colonel. You'd get the impression that if the base is on alert, there'd probably be more light. Yeah. Possibly. Maybe the lights in the entrance and exit areas. Yeah, Greer almost feels vindicated. <laughs> Although, we pretty much know the only person that had any real in intel was Gin and Simeon. And, well, <laughs> they're <Yeah>. unavailable. Apparently. <laughs> Behold and gaze in awe at the rather utilitarian bridge. Nice. Go on, try the chair out. That's the first thing you do, isn't it? <laughs> Captain's try chair. Try the paddle. <laughs> Chloe? Hey, Chloe. Camille wants you. Senator Michaels? Is it you? I assume she knew she was visiting, because there's no way she'd be able to guess that. <laughs> Look at you. Wow. Uh, welcome to the Destiny. Can't believe it. <laughs> well, what are you doing? Oh, um, I was just going over the ship's FTL jump logs. I'm flying the goddamn ship, woman. <laughs> really? It's the new me. What do you think? Well, I, 
I think I'd like to leave the science and technology to somebody else for a few moments so we can talk, if that's okay with you. Go ahead, Chloe. You can finish this later. Yeah, exactly. She got a picture of Chloe that's a bit outdated. Mm, yeah. She doesn't seem keen that that is outdated. Yeah. That could take a week. It <laughs> could. <laughs> I think Russia's a bit sceptical, though. Yes. You don't really know the background. Um... <laughs> An uneasy truce between two colleagues, maybe? Rush being rather more malleable. Master Sergeant, wait. I'm off duty, right? Yes. Then I don't have to talk to you. Oh, and they pointed out that all these portraits in this corridor are of the uh, the crew. Are they? Yeah, the staff, yeah. Photoshops in different, you know, period costumes. <laughs> oh, they didn't even dress them up? Photoshop and printed them. Click a button to make it look like a portrait. Maybe they were just feeding us a line while we gave them food and shelter and put our own people at risk. You don't know what... Uh-oh. What's happening? That's incoming. No, 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 no. What are you doing? You have to go from... Let go of me! No, we gotta... Okay. Oh. Credit there to Reese Williams, who's Bria's stunt double. There was some behind-the-scenes footage of uh, the stunt. He had uh, Jamil just doing some basic ducking and diving before the whole roof comes down on the, on the stunt double. I mean, Jamil needs a stunt double. <laughs> Well, he probably could take it, but, you know, the insurance company wouldn't like it. Surprisingly, though, you know, when he's talking naturally, he sounds very different from Greer. Does he? He's a lot softer spoken. Does he put on that sort of gravelly, hard man exterior? Yeah. Yeah. It's not just me. Look. I'm sitting down. This is serious. Everyone else on this ship, with the exception of Mr. Wallace, is a member of Stargate Command. That doesn't mean they signed up for this. Maybe not. But it does mean that sooner or later, they were going to wind up on some obscure planet doing God knows what kind of research that may or may not ever have seen the light of day on Earth. <laughs> She's effectively saying, here, you're too good for this. These guys are all expendable. <laughs> yeah. But I never once thought that, that that life was for you. Your father had such plans. You were a glorified PA. (laughs) Things have changed. I'm sorry, it just seems like such a waste. I'm a senator. I'll do whatever I can to get you home, but there's no way I'm going to push for a new Icarus base. Colonel, you all right? Yeah, I think so. What happened? We don't know yet. We're still getting damage reports. All right, keep moving. Let's go, folks. Is she on the Appropriations Committee? I'd imagine that she's pretty high up, otherwise she wouldn't know about Homeworld Command. I'm glad in that scene they didn't mention Camille or Greer, given the, the number of other people that would be in that building. Yeah. <laughs> Greer! That's a lot of dust, and you really don't want to be breathing that, in. No. Greer! Greer! So can I assume that Homeworld Command is not where the gate is? Homeworld Command is in the Pentagon. You all right? What happened? I don't know. It sounded like an explosion. Explosion of Again. How many times does he have to get buried in rubble? <laughs> He's going to have flashbacks of his dad again. I know. I know. I thought that happened in this episode. Oh, no. No, I, I don't think you should be moving. Watch the rebar. <clears throat> uh, uh, what is it? Oh, my knee. <clears throat> it's twisted pretty bad. He's probably fortunate that he only got hit by a bit of uh, air-conditioned ventilator. Oh, let's face it, if John Shepard can survive an entire building collapse, 
Remember, <laughs> John Shepard, they all survived. Okay. <laughs> Thankfully, little fell in this room. Very fortunate, I think. Yeah, here's the thing, though. He dragged her into the room yeah. that then collapsed on them. He understandably annoyed with them. Well, we don't, at the moment, we don't really know how much debris fell in the hall. He may have been thinking that a smaller room, you know, more load-bearing members surrounding him. Give me a second. Okay, this this is where you have a rummage around. <laughs> Second time she tried to break that, they hadn't cut the wood enough and it's passed. <laughs> sellotape. Not duct tape, that was sellotape. It seemed like very Agent May when she did that. This might hurt a bit. Okay. A splint and everything. Grin and bear it, man. Grin and bear it. Is that too tight? He doesn't care, it's not his leg. Whose leg is it then? <laughs> it is someone else's. He's using the stones. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. I thought there was another bloke under the rubble and maybe we didn't Well, cool. I think I'm listening to a recording that's over a million years old. Well, that's, that's one good point. He's not accusing you of faking it right from the word go. Processed and filtered using algorithms I don't even understand. Although that's a good point. Information tends to get less mm, believable the more filters you run it through. Mm. If you never quite know if you're actually distorting it too much. Listen, listen. I'll admit there's a lot of impressive data here. And if I could transmit it all back to Earth and get 20 of our best people working on this for the next five years, maybe, maybe I could confirm it. I can't do that. <laughs> Rush isn't going to be happy about this. Judgment call here. Do you have any idea what kind of a position that puts me in? I know that you were offered Icarus before they gave it to me. Oh, okay. You couldn't see the potential. I thought it was a bunch of mythological mumbo jumbo about the gods and ultimate understanding. This is like Young and Telford. <laughs> Intelligence present at the beginning of time. Yeah. Now, you can deny it all you like. They're going to call it proof of the existence of God. How could anybody turn down that job if they even glimpsed what the SGC had been doing for the past decade? Is it God or is it the sort of signal of Tom Baker? <laughs> you both of you guys get that reference? Yeah. Same old man. You never make things easy, do you? It does seem a bit more of a politician scientist. He knows where his funding's coming from. He's willing to be a sellout. Is that normal to keep a flashlight in the emergency lighting? I don't know, but it's a good idea. It is, isn't it? I'm concerned about the kind of breaker system they've got, that all these sparks are going off and it's not trip them. You won't be surprised to know that they use the same hallway for this entire episode, just redressing it constantly. How did they move all that yeah, rock? I'm just peachy. It's only polystyrene, isn't it? You can brush it away. You all right? <coughs> yeah, I think so. I gotta get out of this place. Yeah, don't worry. I'll get you out of here. Eamon Evans is played by Morgan David Jones. He's an Australian actor. Recently he's been in Rain and The Whispers. I don't have time for this. I gotta get out of here now. Maintain it, man. We're doing the best we can. We got another one. No, he looks a little worse for wear. See, he was in the hallway and he's dead. So Greer probably did the right thing. What do you need a gun for? I'm Greer. I always need a gun. Yeah, you never know. (laughs) 
Now Jamil said that is Lou Diamond Phillips's cousin. Really? Yes. I assume he must have been on the set at the time, or he is an actor. Yes. I'm here with Greer and another survivor, uh, Airman Evans. What happened? There's been an attack. The cloaked Alliance cargo ship was detected on approach. It crashed into the building on the inner north side. When was this shot? 2011. Right. They're not referencing 9-11 at all, are they? Well, there comes a point when you can't really ignore it. <laughs> if there's an attack on a military installation, you know. There's no way a lone cargo ship would try an attack on Homeworld Command without packing a little something extra. Like what, exactly? We think there might be a bomb on board as yet unexploded. You have to get the hell out of there. Oh, that's not good. There is a point. It does seem a little unimaginative for the Lucian Alliance just to crash a shuttle into a building. And in here, we have our infirmary. Hey, Colonel. Lieutenant Johansson, this is Senator Michaels. We're giving her the tour. She's here to... I'm here to assess the potential and long-term viability of this mission. Yeah. Yeah, but since there's no way to go home, what's the point? Guests. Yes, I know. He's been helping me out volunteering down here. He's actually got a pretty good understanding of first aid. Yes, helping me out. Giving me an extra pair of hands when I needed it. <laughs> yes, but where? <laughs> it's probably not the best example of meeting a Lucian Alliance. You know, all giggles with uh, the chief medic. <laughs> Look, I, uh, I know you've been under a lot of pressure trying to keep all these people alive in some pretty difficult circumstances. Condescending a little, I think. Just a little. Well, we'll give her the benefit of the doubt that she hasn't been a total. Yeah. She is, sir. Medical knowledge, and I'm starting to get a better understanding of how some of their equipment works. Well, that's useful. <laughs> Couldn't you got one of the scientists to help you? I'm pretty sure they could be able to figure it out. <laughs> no offence. None taken. Haven't they found the manuals either since they uh, gained access to the bridge? Right. Don't say no offence. If you feel you have to say something which is followed by no offence, just don't bloody say it. <laughs> Knowing that there's a chance that they'll never go home. There's not an awful lot you can say in reply to that, is there? Oh, man. <laughs> you don't really expect Camille to talk like that, do you? Hello. Well, it's the way to what was the nearest exit. David, this is Camille. They're keeping a very narrow field of vision on the outside scenes. They use the Bridge Studio parking lot for the initial opening. This looks like one corner of the parking lot. Cram as much into this small area, it'll look busy. People moving around, tapping their head. I don't know. What kind of bomb are we talking about? Intelligence suggests it's a weapons grade and a quadrant device with a probable yield of 50 to 70 megatons. Why casually dropping in 50 to 70 megatons? Uh, all right, well, um, if you can't get in and we can't get out, then uh, maybe the best plan is for us to go for the bomb. What? <laughs> You'd expect more from an Aquadria weapon, wouldn't you, really? Didn't they say an Aquadrian rather than an Aquadria? I don't know, I didn't catch it. I was thinking Aquadria. Bigger bang. No, I, I cannot allow you to, to volunteer for something like this. You're not even in your own bodies. If that bomb goes off, these bodies will die, along with everyone else. And if we're still connected, they'll kill us too. It's not much of a choice. <laughs> That's right. Let's go home. <laughs> so you. You really have... There's no real options here. You might, you've got somebody still alive in the inside, close to where the shuttle crashed. You might as well make use of them. Yeah. Yeah. Nick's famous young protege. Pleasure to finally meet you. I'm Dr. Andrew Cobble. Right. <laughs> nice to meet you. 
People back at Stargate Command call you the Boy Wonder. <laughs> Does that make Rush my Batman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam Brody. Uh, Dale Walker. We work here too. You feel sorry for them at times. <laughs> yeah, we're Abelin Costello in this view. <laughs> what can we do for you? Well, I just want to know what you think about everything. Your ship, your role in it, next little discovery. He's a knob. Don't trust him. <laughs> he does come across very slimy, doesn't he? Yeah. There's slimy, and then there's that senator. <laughs> Are you alright? Yeah, I'm okay. No, look, another hallway. The same hallway. <laughs> I can hardly breathe. Come on, hop along. <laughs> it's in your lungs already. We don't stop. We, we keep going. Greer, Greer, can you just this once not pretend to be invincible? Oh, can you just this once stop talking? <laughs> what is your problem? Oh, come on, you're asking him that yeah, now. We're really going to do this now. Yeah, thank you. It's people like you. People who talk and talk, and meanwhile, nothing gets done. No. Come on, say what you mean. Let it all out. You know, a file and a desk. Yeah. He's got a point there. You don't know anything. You're afraid of me. You hear something? You're afraid of what I do because I help people with their problems. Eamon Evans is there. <laughs> help, help. I'm with two crazy people. I are over there as well. <laughs> Instead of just taking up space. Shut up for a minute. They're not listening to you, mate. It's my mommy and daddy are arguing. Yeah. Well, that you're just as scared and vulnerable as the rest just of us. Shut up! I can hear something. It's coming from over here. What is it? It's the Geiger counter. The tech who was sweeping the building. So much for him then. But the Geiger counter survived. Yeah, now, now, <laughs> now he's the tech who can be sponged from the building. Can you hear us? We're going to get you out. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. Yeah. You just know that Peter DeLuise had a great time putting that in. Trust me, he's harmless. <laughs> now this is the first time that question marks start to appear. Yeah. He doesn't even know what a Geiger counter is. Everyone knows what a Geiger counter is. Or at the very least, understands what that needle on that scale means. If you've ever seen a, you know, a volume meter or anything on an old, old-style radio, you're familiar with it. This area is flooded with radiation. It could be from the crash ship or from the bomb itself, but these are deadly levels. What you're saying is if we stay here much longer, we could die. No. I'm saying we're dead already. That's the joy of radiation poisoning. <laughs> so let's get to them stones too sweet so the last episode that I did on this podcast there was a person who already knew he was dead yeah <laughs> not looking good for next week you're kind of developing a theme there I know so doesn't look good then that's what she's saying six months before we're ready to do a dial out and to be perfectly blunt we're not sure you're going to survive that long oh it really would be a good idea just to stop flying for a month and just concentrate on repairing the ship. Especially now they've got control. Since you and your people came on board, you've brought this ship to the brink of destruction repeatedly. It's a wonder this thing's flying at all. Colonel, this is Brody. We're about to drop out of FTL. That's understood. 
Heads up, the connection's gonna be interrupted for a few seconds. <laughs> Brace yourself. <laughs> Someone's gonna get a big surprise. There was no way to know. Okay, it was the right call. If we leave now, get out as fast as we can, we might still be okay. Evans is a little frantic. Mm. I wonder why. You can't know that you're not a scientist. Maybe not, but I've worked with enough of them to pick up a few things. Ooh, secret documents. Hello. Okay, not what I expected. <laughs> what the hell's going on? What is this? What's happening? Let me see that. In your hand. What a pity they weren't next to the communication stones. Could have just whipped them off in a way. There's been an attack. Lucian Alliance. There's a bomb. Nequadria. Radiation leaking. We're trying to get to it, but... There you go. It is Nequadria. Senator. Oh my god. Homeworld command. Yeah. Now who's going to last the longest? <laughs> Connection was interrupted. You think they got the gist of what I was trying to say? If you didn't, the other two can fill them in. They've seen it for themselves now. Ah! Oh, hello. Oh. That's why you need a gun. Put the gun down. Put it down now or I'll kill her. Have you listened to these people? They don't like each other. <laughs> Holding Camille hostage isn't really a bargaining chip. They know the situation. We could just make things worse. <laughs> or not. <laughs> Enough to get a full report, then we will bring you back and let you know what's happening. Go ahead. Oh, hello. Uh, something's gone wrong. Nothing happened. Shut the device off. Given what happens later in this episode, I don't see how he managed to do that in the few minutes that have passed. Some of us don't know what happened later in the episode. Some of us don't remember. Ah. Well, we're allowed to spoil within an episode, right? <laughs> Yes, other, otherwise it's make a really boring commentary. Yeah, well, he's supposed to have tampered with the system to prevent the stones disconnecting. Even if he kills me, you can still get to the bomb. Camille. It's an act! If you give him the gun, he'll kill us both! He's Lucian Alliance. Now, that shouldn't be instantly lethal. He shot from the wrong side of the chest. Oh, I don't know. That second shot probably puts him down. Or at least gives him a... A slow death as his lifeblood flows out of him. Are you sure he was one of them? There was something wrong about him from the start. And he knew I wasn't a scientist, but I never told him that. All he knew was my name. Good point. That explains why he wanted to get out as quick as possible. Uh -huh. And he's got ink as well. Bit of a giveaway, that. He was probably the pilot. I think there's any more like him around here. No, I doubt it. Not a very good pilot. I mean, my guess is that the plan was to land the ship cloaked on the roof or somewhere nearby and then just walk away. Again, they've got the Asgard core and the Earth hasn't got any better defences. They should be able to see through a cloaked ship by now. <laughs> well, they did detect it. Yeah. They don't. Know, they didn't tell us when. How many times have cloaked vessels managed to... Let's go close to the radiation thing. Well, they've got no choice if they want to disarm the bomb, do they? Yeah, I think we can make it through here. We'll have to crawl, though. Sorry. No, don't worry about me. But she does. Bizarre. Right. Well? That's oh, interesting. This shouldn't be happening. <laughs> that sums up life on Destiny. I mean, the only thing we can assume that Andrew knows this system inside and out. But like you say, he didn't really have a huge time frame to do anything. 
Yeah. The radiation must only be affecting command protocols, nothing else. There may be a way to boost that specific portion of the signal or alter it in order to get it past the interference. I've done a fair amount of research in this technology. I can help. Colonel, Varro would like to speak with you. Really? Look, there comes a point when you can't keep being, you know, the victim. I've told you everything I know. I didn't know anything about this. I can tell you how to defuse that bomb. This is a scene where Ming-Na was delighted she got a booty shot in. I see the hull of the ship. We're almost there. Yeah, tight squeeze. There we go. She was very pleased in the commentary. Was she? Yes. <laughs> Especially when the flashlight panned across her. <laughs> so she's not paying the ass. Of course, they're doing a lot of lighting the scene with just the flashlights, something that Stargate did a lot. It's nice the way they work that out, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Watch your head. Geiger counter clicking fast. <laughs> I watched an episode of Team Wolf the other week and nearly fell off my chair because it was lit well. Really? <laughs> then I realised it was an outdoor shot in broad daylight. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I bring that up is, like I've said many times over the years, Stargate knows how to film dark scenes without losing any detail. They allow the DPs and the cinematographers to spend the money required to make it look good. Team Wolf finish after five. No, they've got another ten episodes to come. Is anybody reading this? That would be a no. Too much interference. So much for plan A. We're going to have to do this on our own. Nice attention to detail with the reflection on her face there. The Alliance uses a pretty simple design for its Nequadria bombs. The tricky part is it'll be protected by a hologram shell. So whoever disarms it will have to do so by feel. The trigger wire is a slightly thinner gauge, probably threaded. It's the only way to distinguish it. How do we know any of what you're saying is true? I've worked with these devices before. Does a nuclear war... I assume you can disarm a nuclear warhead, yeah. But it's almost as if they've got a way built in to do it. Sir, I think he's telling the truth. Oh, I know you do. Ooh. <laughs> that was a little nasty. No. Jealousy coming through there. <laughs> Why couldn't they just have a nice big red button on it or something? You know, or on-off switch. A big yellow emergency button. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Thing is, if it's emitting all that radiation, it must be damaged. Because it'd be a pretty useless bomb if it emitted radiation when you were transporting it. Catastrophic, or is it something we can live with? Shielding must be tracked or something. Yeah. But then again, you think, I wouldn't have thought the quadru would be that stable. It'd be it's like antimatter, isn't it? Your shield's got to be perfect, otherwise it just goes bang. Yeah. Didn't it have, wasn't that mentioned in one of the earlier episodes, the Jonas Quinn ones or something, where they were mining the quadru? Isn't the quadru the natural equivalent of nitroglycerin? Yes. Very rare. Only occurs, well, I say naturally in one or two places, but one of the Gould actually managed to engineer it, didn't they? Yeah. It's been a while since the crash. So it could go off any second. Yeah, it's possible that it was damaged and it's not going to go off at all. Or it could go off any second. Ah, and this is when the commentary went very unusual turn. It, it got very suggestive. Yeah. <laughs> and the pair of them were bouncing off each other, so. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch all this with the commentary. <laughs> it starts off though I don't think either of them were very comfortable doing the commentary but then kind of the banter between them just got going and they were off there's Camille elbow deep in some hologram not exactly sure what she's feeling or what she's manipulating she doesn't know herself she admits that I'm going to have to do this blind <sighs> do what exactly I haven't quite figured that part out yet uh-huh able to convince anybody, especially after this. That just happens. <laughs> Senator, there you are. Well, she ain't hiding. We need you. 
We're going to try and force an FTL jump. Yes, I know, based on the word of some Alliance soldier. Well, that pretty much underlines what she thinks about Barrow. I shouldn't even be here. You know, I had people on my own committee telling me this was a waste of time, that our only priority should be Alliance threat. And I didn't listen to them. Look, I know you're worried about people back home. I am too. But you're wrong about destiny. You tell her, Chloe. You know, the other rush said that in his timeline, I was one of the people who volunteered to stay. And you really think you would have done that? For a boy named Scott. My father died so that we could all go on. And I have to believe that it was for a reason. I feel like I'm part of something here. Something important. Well, he considered it a reason. He died to save his daughter. Okay, there's a, a, a large cylindrical piece and... um. There we go. <laughs> Hello. Oh, is this where it goes? Yes. <laughs> and they're saying, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> Once you look at it, you think, <laughs> yes, you pull things. <laughs> You've got to wonder at times if the writers are writing something thinking, if you read it on script, it doesn't sound perfectly fine. The trigger wire is slightly thinner, threaded coarse. Don't pull the wire, will detonate. Pop the linchpin by applying pressure to the base and... Well, it's fortunate. Pin as well. Any other show, it'd be a wire from a bra or something. I'm sure she gets the point. Uh huh. Oh. That again uh, took a couple of seconds for light bulb to come out there. I did. <laughs> Got it. Now the trigger wire is threaded. Find it. But don't pull. Yeah, I know. It will blow up. What is the point of that hologram? I mean, to make the bomb more difficult to defuse. Why just? Why not put a big metal plate in front of you know the hole? <laughs> because metal plates can be removed. So something you can put your hand through, just but not see, mm -hmm. is more secure. I'm sure if they had some sort of sensors, they could see exactly what was happening. God. So what? Uh, what are we looking at? Well, this is the enhanced command signal. It's now embedded within the frequencies of the mind transfer itself. Wait, are you saying you can shut down the connection? Oh yeah. And it would have done a lot earlier. Uh-oh. If Dr. Koval hadn't been sabotaging her efforts. <laughs> Who, me? What? He altered one of the key algorithms I checked. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Okay, I did it. Booyah. You have to understand that when we went back and I saw that Geiger counter, the radiation levels, they're not survivable. What are you saying? Our bodies, they're as good as dead, and I, I, I just, I panicked, and I needed some time to think. You know what happens when someone dies at the end of a connection? No, 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 because Dr. Perry was in a weak condition. It is possible that a healthy person could have survived. So what did you do? You decided to help yourself to this new body? Is that what you did? Why do they get to live and we don't? They put us in this position. It was easy for them to take a risk because they weren't going to have to suffer the consequences. <sighs> Oh, Andrew, Colonel, not cut out for Stargate Command, are you? Colonel Young, could you get Varro down here? He can uh, go over the instructions again and you can send us back. I'm not going. Of course. I'm not sure how this is going to work. If they shut down the stones and he's tweaked the system, could he retain control of this body? Must be a way, otherwise, what's the point? Why did he do it? Uh, yeah, I guess he must have an inkling. And he must have read all the SGC reports on the stones previously. But what about all the people out there? The people that we have to assume are being evacuated from this area. Every second gives more of them a chance to get as far away from here as possible. You're right. 
It's only been about 25 minutes. This size of explosion, they haven't gone far. Yeah, this isn't the time to lose your backbone, lad. <laughs> the very fact that you use these stones, you know, was a risk. In fact, I dare say they haven't told the civilians anything. No. People will be still in, in a traffic jam outside looking at this building saying, ooh, I wonder, what, wonder what's happening there. Makes you wonder why they don't just beam it out of the building and... You know off. the best way to evacuate an area? Sail on at Walmart? Yeah, basically. Run a competition and say 90% off, but... Only the first 200 people that get here and put it in an area significantly out of the danger zone. You're saying that if this happened on a Black Friday, then uh, then all would be fine? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're here now. And we're not going anywhere. So let's talk. Yeah, just restrain him. And then when we pull the stones, whoop, there you go. You won't feel a thing. You'll feel something. You just won't feel it very long. I suppose this is as good a time as any to build some bridges between them. <laughs> bridges made of straw with a sneezy wolf coming. <laughs> so, tell me about your home life. No? Okay. <laughs> tell me about Colonel Telford. No? Okay. Okay, he's losing it. <laughs> Remember, don't pull the wire. No, I've got it. You're sure? You ready for this? I suppose this was the only way this information was ever going to get across in the minds of the original... I still haven't found out what they have to do with the wire. Not pull it, but what? Just one more thing, Colonel. Could you tell Chloe that I'm proud of her? Couldn't you get the keynote and record all this for posterity? Cheer <laughs> up, mate. <laughs> You're going to be a hero. I don't think he wants to be a hero. I think he wants to live. <laughs> Much said, probably such a repugnant human being, as Willie Allen said. I don't want to achieve immortality through my walk. I'd rather achieve immortality by not dying. <laughs> Although immortality could be regarded as a curse. Yeah. You'd never really form attachments. Everything and everyone you came to love would die. Would you like to try for a few hundred years to see if I can get used? Yeah, but the key is, what would you do on those rainy Sunday afternoons? You kidding me? You know how much television I still have to watch? I play Dungeons and Dragons. How much what level character I could get? <laughs> have you heard anything? Not yet. We've been back for hours. I know. We're going to keep someone on the stones 24-7 until we get a connection. If we get a connection. Now, do you think some sort of uh, detente has been reached between these pair? I heard you have a friend who lives in D.C. Yeah, that's what I was going to think of. She's rather more than a friend. She's um, more than a friend. I wish I could talk to her one more time, you know? Tell her how much she means to me. Emile is such a stickler for rules and regulations. She won't bend enough so that she could go back. I've been thinking about my mom. You know, things that haven't really been that, that good between us. She never really wanted me to join the military. No, we remember. She wasn't very pleased, was she? No, <laughs> she saw what it did to your dad. I'm sorry, I didn't really say. A lot of complicated things going on with him, isn't there? Everything that I wanted to say. Don't you dare tear up, Greer. My whole worldview will be shattered. She's your mother, Ron. She knows. Still waters run deep. <laughs> she, she's your mother, Ron. Anyway, 
I'm sure this will all get resolved and you can go and tell her yourself soon enough. Right. Soon enough. Run on? I don't think anyone's ever had the balls to call him. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine pulling a gun, putting it there and going, call me Ron again. I got, yeah, I knew, I was thinking that they better not roll credits here. <laughs> that was excellent. I'm glad they finally did pay off this whole Lucian Alliance threat, although it was rather pathetic. <laughs> yeah, it didn't quite go according to plan. <laughs> did you want to wipe out Washington? Would we miss it? Not present, no. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed because when, when you look at the big picture, the Lucian Alliance outgun Earth thousandfold. Yeah. And if they did a concerted effort, they could, you know, wipe out the human race. So why this kind of terrorist action, which is only going to really piss everybody off? It's the same as the Gaul attacks, though, isn't it? Yeah, but they at least had the Asgard looking over the shoulder. Yeah. They could have taken the Earth wasn't for Thor and his mates. <laughs> you know, almost like the Lucian Alliance, they didn't want him to make him look too powerful, but the fact is, they are a bunch of uh, criminals, but they've got heavy armour. <laughs> heavy ordnance. Really, they could do some damage. And, let's not forget infighting and paranoia. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, well, it's how they got rid of the last leader. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. So you, you tried to kill us, right? We're putting a bounty on your head. And we're doubling. Wasn't that my Dopu playing uh, Ventrell? Same actor that plays Varro. He was the uh, bounty hunter contract killer. Oh, I've just realised who's in the next episode that we're going to record. Funnily enough, uh, I was watching some of the extras on the DVD and they were they were talking to Mike and they were saying uh, they had an idea of actually referring everything uh, the character had done. You know, uh, he'd been a bounty hunter and he'd been on the run for a while. Pity <laughs> they didn't. You know, it'd been nice if they'd have tried to... Linked. They could have just done the sci-fi classic trope. You look remarkably like the phone leader, Lucian. Oh, that's <laughs> my twin brother. <laughs> Writer and director for this episode, Peter DeLuise, getting quite busy in Stargate Universe. He directed this episode, also directed 56 episodes of SG-1, 6 of Atlantis and 7 of Universe. He directed episodes of When Calls a Heart, Dark Matter, Parked, R.L. Steins and Sanctuary. Much, much more. This episode was written by Linda McGibney. She wrote two episodes of Stargate Universe, Alliances and Blockade. Also a supervising producer for 19 episodes of Universe. Writing credits include Xena, Chicago Hope, Wildfire, Rizzoli and Isles, and the new series Powers, which I intend to watch or at least give a go of. As we often say, there's just so much good television around at the moment. Trying to figure out what to watch is a bit of a nightmare than trying to find the time to watch it. Boy, in my half-hour lunch, I tend to pop the projector on and watch 25 minutes or something. I'm just about to finish a book, and then I'm going to start on Travellers. Ah, right. Yeah, you guys were talking about it last time I was on, and it sounded pretty good. Okay then, folks, we won't blabber on too much. It's getting to 10 to 9 for us, and 10 to 11 for Alan. 9 to actually. Okay. <laughs> right then, next week's episode is going to be Hope. And Ian will be joining us for that. I will. I'm looking forward to that. Yep, it has yet to be recorded. <laughs> no worries, everything's been planned out and uh, everything will go according to said plan. Loads of time, it'll, it'll all go smoothly, I'm sure. Yep. Colonel Young, I think we have a connection. You're aboard the Destiny, I'm Colonel Young. Who are you? 
I'm Gin. If Gin isn't Chloe's body, whose body is Chloe connected to? Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We got some feedback from Miles, one of the co-hosts of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, for last week's episode, Twin Destinies. Take it away, Miles. Hello, Gatecast. I want to give my thoughts on Twin Destinies. I love good and interesting time travel stories. The Stargate franchise has always been generous in giving such stories to us. Even though SGU only ran for two seasons, they delivered as well. In Twin Destinies, our heroes try another way to get home, only to find out they already tried it, and their past elves have disappeared. An alternate rush comes back from the past 12 hours or so later. Destiny is the beneficiary of another shuttle. I'd love to get your opinion on this, but it seems Twin Destinies follows two theories of time travel. If you travel far enough into the past, you could run into your past self, just as who I'll call Alternate Rush, the one who time traveled, and Prime Rush, the one not present. Then you have another theory of time travel that says if you travel to the past... What you end up doing is either you either create another timeline or you just end up in an alternate timeline or alternate universe. The latter theory I'm still trying to wrap my head around. It's a theory that Star Trek 09 employed so as not to eradicate what came before. I saw there's two, two theories of time travel in play because the prime destiny finds the alternate destiny traveling to the sun. It would seem that both timelines converge into one timeline again. Confused yet? Yeah, me too. That's okay. This is still a good episode. As we'll find out later, we haven't heard the last of this story and the consequences created from it. What do you guys think of the time travel employed? We get to see Eli's horror that his plan might have killed the crew of Destiny. He's not comforted that it was an alternate version or timeline version of the crew. I love how Prime Rushes and Alternate Rush deal with each other. Alternate Rush is fearful and despondent, while Prime Rush is nonplussed and seems amused by the whole thing. His line about finally having a decent discussion with somebody is quite humorous. Young is not sure how to refer to them, and it is funny as well. At one point, he gets them mixed up, and that one rush has to correct him. The writers made very good use of both rushes and the drama and humor it could create. Although we don't see them together, the idea of both Telfords using the stones in each other's bodies was mentioned. Good use of the alternate destiny is used to resupply the prime destiny and deal with the other Telford by having him die accidentally from electrocution. I don't believe alternate rush intended to kill him. As it happens in most sci-fi, when you have the addition of an alternate timeline version of a character, the writer usually kills them off or sends them away. So it is with Telford and Alternate Rush. Alternate Rush can't go back to the other destiny after accidentally killing Prime Telford, and he indulges in a secret desire to have his consciousness absorbed by destiny. All in all, I really like this episode. It has a lot of rewatchability for me. I've seen it many times. What is nice is we'll get a nice payoff later, 12 episodes from now. I'm a huge fan of Star Trek, but often Star Trek, uh, with time travel stories, they hit the reset button, and there's no consequences that comes from messing with time. Not so with SGU. Well, until next time, as a friend of mine and yours would say, live long and podcast. Time travel. Yes, a staple of science fiction and other genres, it has to be said, can be used to create many narratives. And I guess I'm a traditionalist in which the time traveler can interact with their own personal timeline and have the potential grandfather paradox hanging over their heads. That's not to say the alternate timeline structure doesn't have its merits, but within Stargate itself we've seen that alternate realities already exist, so the closed-loop time-jumping works for this franchise. I also have to admit I do like complex time-travel stories, where you have to unravel the events. Of course, many a story has created a complex narrative that, when you examine it closely, has many a hole in it in which the writers or maybe producers, editors, have allowed to exist. 
As we saw in Voyager, they really didn't care about the upkeep of the ship and its resources. Whereas Ron Moore's Battlestar had that as an always-in-your-face fact of life, with stories revolving around it. Universe adopted the latter, but slowly moved away, and the destiny became less of an issue, but was always there. And when needing repairs, the ship or the consequences of its abuse became the focus of an episode. The miraculous appearance of one shuttle was needed to address the lack of a small transport, and the use of alternate destiny, a pure sci-fi way to address an insurmountable problem, which worked very well as a story in itself. It's great when everything works out okay, when it could easily go so wrong in the telling. Thank you Miles for the feedback, and looking forward to when you join us shortly on the podcast. Brad also sent us in some feedback, and we'll be playing that next week. If anyone wants to get in touch with us, you can visit the Gatecast website at gatecast.co.uk or email us using gatecastpodcast.gmail.com. We are on Facebook and Google+. Do a search or follow the links on the website. We are also on Twitter, at the Gatecast, which is one word, and we are carried on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio. We also have an independent RSS feed, which contains everything we've released so far. That can be copied and pasted into a podcatcher as other services limit the number of episodes listed. Okay, back to the show. Okay, thank you very much, Ian, for joining us this evening. No problem, my pleasure as always. You want to give a bit of Twitter contact information at, or anything you feel like sharing? Yeah, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Ian Eisted. It's a one I for Ian, and Eisted is I-S-T-E-D. Not the easiest thing to spell, but I tweet out a fair bit. Other than that, I don't really know. Yeah. Are, are you... Talk about yourself. Go on, I dare you. You're not finding any chance at Ted. Uh, no. <laughs> you understand why I said that? No. Ian is Ted. Oh, yes. I have had that quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm a web developer and sci-fi fan, obviously. And I'm a scout leader. And when I finally have the time, I like to spend my time in the shed building stuff. Right. So there might be the occasional tweet about Arduino boards and raspberry pies. and Pies. I hear probably zeros are occasionally seen in the wild, but they disappear. They're practically endangered species. Yeah, I have one in my shed. Tiny. Okay then, folks, that was Alliances. Join us next week for Hope. But until then, I've been Mike. I've been unusually pedantic. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good night. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever.